0: Hello, hello, you've found us again on boomerangs This is Ruth. And this is Mike. Today we are going to talk about more evergreen things because our last episode was a non-episode since I have decided not to take my computer with me to New York. So we will have missed you last week and hope that you missed us. Let me just get my levels straight here. Hello, hello, okay, there we go, there we go. So today we're gonna talk about something that's come up A lot in the news and I think is very confusing and I've read something about it and listened to people talk about it it's called critical race theory and is causing a lot of problems in some school districts in various states and I have seen Bo Burnham's special called inside and you have seen a bunch of trash TV
1: I've been yes I've (laughs) I've been indulging in trailer television oh good
0: I think this is a good thing yeah So critical race theory, the long and the short of it is that it was developed by some intellectuals who were, I believe, lawyers, and they were working together in the 70s. They wanted to examine why racism persists, and how it is different from an individual. What society, our culture, and our institutions, including the law, and maybe most especially in their way of thinking in the law, contributes to racism. And I believe that that's where the phrase systemic racism came from.
1: But so they're studying how it's embedded in our legal and political systems. Yes. In in spite of whatever efforts we might make to make that go away.
0: Yes. Racism isn't rooted in the individual, which is I think what a lot of racists think. They think, well, I have a friend who's black and Mm -hmm. I treat them well. I I don't think about their color, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't dispense with racism as an institutional force. Mm -hmm. So that's where the right is getting all up in arms. Uh, just a little bit more about the history of it. It really is only taught in law school and in some sociology. So someone said, if your children are being taught critical race theory, then you should be glad because that means that they're in, in law school.
1: school. <laughs> exactly. Our students study it. Ph.D. students in literature study oh, it. Oh, is that right? Yeah, because it's it's theory. They love theory. It's way over my head, but that's why I don't understand why bitter, resentful Fearful, racist white people are insisting that the schools don't teach it because they're not teaching it. They're not. I think they've gotten maybe a clue that there's a concept involved that racism is, as I said, is embedded in our systems. Is that what they're objecting to?
0: Partly it's that, and a a big chunk of it is the 1619 Project. Oh,
1: that set people off.
0: They're confusing the two things, and what what the right is calling critical race theory, I'm putting quotation marks around Mm -hmm. that, is really the study of how actual enslavement Took place. Yes.
1: I think what they're objecting to is teaching the history of racism in America. Yes. And they're calling it critical race theory.
0: Yes, that's right. They're calling it by a name that it was it, not it, it's, designed yeah, it for. it doesn't
1: apply to it so much, although I'm sure there's overlaps. But yeah, they don't want the truth about racism to be taught. They want no. it the way we learned it. <laughs> you know, they it was good enough for us. Whitewashed, all and, completely whitewashed. Yeah.
0: They don't want white children to feel discomfort right. in learning about this part
1: of our national history. I heard something so interesting today. I listened to an episode of Ibram Kindy's. Oh, you did? Podcast called Be Anti-Racist. And I'm trying to see if I can find out this woman that he had on his show because she was really interesting. Okay. Economic and social policy expert, Heather McGee. Oh,
0: she was the one I was telling you about. Oh, really? The sum of us.
1: Oh, okay. I was hoping oh, that she was... Oh, she talked about a- that. Yeah. She talked about that, the zero-sum game. And that's what puts fear into people, that if someone else gets to come up the ladder, it means I have to go down an equal amount. That's exactly right. And it's a misconception. But she also said that about the history of how white people were programmed to be racist. She said in the South, if you didn't own a plantation and you were white, you didn't have anything. You trash. Yeah, because they didn't need you to work because they had the free labor of the slaves. Okay, so they promulgated this idea of superiority over the black person because it's just like Republicans have been doing since the 80s. They give them a sense of superiority that is false, that keeps them quiet so they don't stand up for their own economic rights.
0: Oh, interesting. And
1: and when she said that, I thought that makes so much sense that not every white person in the South owned a plantation. A very small percentage did. So you had these masses of poor people who were white who would have, could have, maybe in certain instances did try to rebel and try to find a more equitable economic system to keep them quiet. They said, oh, you're so much better than the black person. And that calmed them so much better off yeah probably it's so similar to what the republicans have done with abortion it's like we'll get you all fired up about killing babies that way you won't have to know that you're paying taxes and the rich classes are not yeah or even Um, if you hear that that's true you won't care so just going back for a second
0: the idea that the white Southerners who were not plantation owners, who were poor, were basically told, "At least you're not a slave." Exactly. But then, when the slaves and you're were,
1: superior genetically, genetically because you're white.
0: But then, when the slaves were freed, right, that must have created a whole other
1: that must have been a big zero-sum game.
0: She's the one who talked about the public pools. Right. And the fact that when the Jim Crow laws were abandoned and blacks were finally able to use the public pools, mm-hmm. the whites Fill them up with cement oh wow they'd rather not have blacks and have not no have pool. a pool
1: mm-hmm. than have, have no to pool.
0: give blacks equality
1: right. i think what's so interesting about mcgee and in the point she made in the podcast i heard today is that racism she didn't say this but it was in her story racism hurts white people too it does and that's what people yes. are blind to
0: she's an economist mm-hmm. right so she sees that when white people vote against their own self-interest mm-hmm. so that We've talked about this so much, so that black people don't get health care right. because you don't want them getting free health care, right. or God knows you don't want them to have universal basic income, right?
1: Because right. or reparations for that matter,
0: or reparations, yeah. because that means that they're getting free money, yeah. and that's our free money, and we're yeah. paying taxes and right. without realizing that we all suffer if we don't have health care. It's healthcare.
1: such a successful strategy on the part of the upper classes in this country. To distract middle and lower class white people with this charade, this mirage of injustice that they're about to suffer, when yeah. the real injustice is what they're already suffering. Yeah. And it's not in relation to minorities. It's in relation to the upper classes.
0: I wasn't going to talk about Biden going to Europe, but I did have a thought when he was sitting with Putin that Putin's strategies worked. He wanted to destroy democracy. Mm-hmm. And it's practically worked. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't put it together with him and what he started in 2016 right. and how well that has worked. Right. We are facing so much racism. Mm -hmm. And the thing is that like the Tucker Carlson's of the Mm -hmm. world Mm -hmm. then say that the people with quote unquote critical race theory Mm -hmm. are racist Mm -hmm. because they're trying to make white people the bad people. Mm -hmm. And so that's racist. Right. And all Hannah Nicole Jones did, and there's a whole story with her too. She was supposed to, the woman who oversaw the 1619 project for the New York Times. Right,
1: right. Oh, she didn't get tenure or something like that. She
0: was supposed to get tenure, and then suddenly they revoked it. Right. And that's because there was a whole right wing campaign against her. Then she suddenly didn't get tenure, but she took the position anyway. But then people who were upset that the right had come in and mucked around with this and mucked around with her tenure. I mean, she is a lauded, awarded journalist. Right. And she has a Peabody, she has a Polk Award. I believe she got the Pulitzer for the 1619 Project. And this woman doesn't deserve tenure.
1: Hopefully, she'll appeal that and and they'll set it straight. Yeah. It right.
0: I don't know that I have a lot more to say about this. It's yeah. just that there's so much fear involved yeah. Yeah. In, in teaching right. children, students, that we were responsible for enslaving yeah. four million people. And for the treatment of them and the disappearance of a lot of them, I can only think that it's this fear of Mm self-reflection that's causing so much emotion and negative emotion to come forward about just teaching students
1: what our real history was. Yeah. It's hard too, because it's hard for me to wrap my head around whatever existential pain these people are going through that's causing them to do this stuff.
0: I think I get it. And that's the fear of the unfamiliar. Mm. It's the fear that Hispanics are going to take yeah. over and that black Americans are going to take over. They're going to run roughshod over all of white America's traditions mm-hmm. and that there will be mariachi bands on every corner and that we'll all be paying reparations to the black citizens who were the heirs to the enslavement that happened mm-hmm. in their ancestors' past.
1: Yeah, I guess that's it, though. That makes sense. It's the loss of the familiar and the pain around that.
0: Anyway, on to lighter fare. Yes. I watched Bo Burnham's special, he called it a special, mm-hmm. called Inside. And Bo Burnham, just to refresh your memory, was the director of Eighth Grade. We saw that together, didn't we? Yes, yes. Yeah, that was such yes. a wonderful movie. Yeah, that was good. He was probably 25 when he directed that, 25 or 26. Mm-hmm. He also played the love interest, the tall blonde love interest in Promising Young Woman. Oh, right. He talks about this a little bit. I heard about it before I saw the special, but he was a YouTube star. He played songs, and he was also a stand-up comedian. Hmm. And he started having panic attacks five years ago and just couldn't go on. He would have them while he was on stage and couldn't perform. So he decided, bag that. I guess that's when he looked into directing and acting. He decided that it was time for him to perform again. And it's called Inside because it's all done in this one little... It looks like a guest house. He sings songs. He lights himself he does camera editing it's just kind of incredible mm. and the songs that he sings are sort of amazingly insightful about being a 30 year old white dude <laughs> and how how his privilege has played out oh. and how blind he's been mm. and he also makes fun of other people there's a song called white woman's Instagram mm-hmm. and they're all very clever so I thought well I'll just I've heard so much about this everybody I've Listen to on a podcast has talked about it so i'll just mm-hmm. tune it in for 15 minutes i'll get tired mm-hmm. of it and then i'll mm-hmm. just say that i saw 15 minutes of it but i saw the whole hour and a half and it I was could- riveting it was riveting <laughs> that's cool he's so talented it's really scary he's a talented director right. he's a talented actor right he's a singer songwriter right he's a stand-up comedian he's of underkind. It's not the kind of thing that somebody my age would normally watch just Mm -hmm. because it's so youth oriented. Right. But I found it really riveting. No, I found it really charming and fun and even weighty Mm. in its own way. It was a really interesting diversion, Mm. unlike anything else I've seen. And maybe one of the more important things that
1: I've seen recently
0: I recommend it highly.
1: Well, if I finish watching Trailer Trash, trying to hunt down men who have jilted them at some point. <laughs> I may check that you, out.
0: You can watch fifteen minutes of it, <laughs> yeah, so you watch. I'll just it. watch a few minutes. Also, I'm getting to the end of Hacks, which makes oh. me sad because I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I just am gonna be hard pressed to let it go. Mm. But I'm sure they'll bring it back.
1: I'll
0: check it out. Yeah. I think you'd like it. Yeah, it you like good. being
1: smart. I, yeah. And the whole comedy angle sounds fun. Oh,
0: it's, I think you would really love that. There's one point where her protege, it's not really the right word, but this young woman she's hired to help her contemporize her jokes, she says to her, These are like thought poems. <laughs> they don't have a punchline. Oh, yeah. And for a joke, you need a punchline. And the young woman says, I find contemporary jokes with punchlines so male.
1: Oh, wow. Well
0: all about the climax oh that's funny <laughs> it's not a sitcom where you laugh out loud it's really well written and it's so engaging and it's about these people who are adversaries completely different at the beginning and they right. start to have this intimate relationship with yeah, each other yeah so trash tv oh
1: yeah i got a special access to showtime this week so i found a show called love fraud love fraud it's kind of there's nothing new or original <laughs> it's just about this guy who finds women through online dating sites middle-aged and hooks up with them and it's so fun because they find like four or five or six of these women who've been rolled by this guy he does exactly the same thing with each one he love bombs them and makes them feel like they've been swept off their feet one woman even left her husband to be with this guy Wow! and then it's like let's get married And they're like, yeah, let's get married. I've never had a man in my life who sees me this way and who who treats me this way. And he tells them they're the total package, that they're everything he's ever looked for in a woman. And he tells them this sob story about his childhood or his early life, what have you. And he hypnotizes them, basically. And then he gets married to them and he gets joint authorization on their bank accounts and he moves their money out of their accounts and into his and he disappears and he goes on to the next one. And so these women, because of the internet, if it weren't for the internet, he would be able to do this forever but is that how they meet yeah different ones go online and one really wants to get him somehow they discover that he has an outstanding warrant for a felony on his record and by virtue of that that entitles them to hire this bounty hunter they try to do lawyers but the lawyers say we need more evidence and we don't have enough to really do anything oh. at this point point. and so they get a bounty hunter to track him down and this is happening in Kansas City and Wichita but he's done it in other places too, Florida what have you it's only four episodes and I just finished the third I think so we'll see if they really catch the guy or not but he's getting ready to move to Belize now and so the woman he's courting now he wants her to move to Belize with him and there's no extradition treaty in Belize so
0: he wants her to go with him
1: well he's one of them he did she says oh yeah we were looking at waterfront properties it was showing me how for $400 a month you can live on the beach in Belize but it does seem strange that he would take one with him except maybe he wants one that he can continue to milk for cash while he's huh. down there. Now let me tell you something about women in Kansas. They're either lying about their age or they're aging really fast in Kansas. <laughs> because these women are saying they're in their 40s and they look a lot older. Huh. But they're all fun and, and they're, they've they all got huts for themselves. I guess or they wouldn't agree to be on this documentary that shows how they were totally flipped by this guy and taken yeah. in by his con.
0: Did he wipe them all out? Did any of them retain any assets? Well,
1: They all seem to be living somewhere, but they weren't living high on the hog to begin with. They weren't upper class. Maybe they had a bank account of like 80,000 bucks and he would clean it out and go on his way. So, I mean, Mm. they seem to have recovered financially enough that they're getting by, but they were all violated in this con. Oh, as I was telling you before, they're out for vengeance. It's like First Wives Club or something like that. They have something in common, these Uh women. And then the bounty hunter is also female and she's this crusty old chain-smoking woman and so she's got her people out looking for him, and there's all these cliffhangers that get you into the next episode where they have a sighting of him at some lakefront property or something.
0: So is there a chance that they'll get some of their money that was well, extorted from I them? Well, I don't oh. know.
1: I would imagine if they prosecute him successfully, maybe that right. would be something he would have to do, although he doesn't seem to have the money to do that.
0: And how does he get together with these women? How does he find them? Dating
1: websites. Oh, is
0: that what it is? Mm -hmm. Okay, because I told you I'd been catfished a bunch. Mm. I was catfished by people in Somalia and Nigeria, I learned later. They are looking for someone to get money from. And mm-hmm. I think that their theory is women who are my age are lonely and mm-hmm. rich mm-hmm. and willing to spend money on a man, right? whatever. I'm sure that they've got some kind of a story that right. they were going to tell me, but it didn't get that far.
1: Yeah. Well, at least you recognize it and didn't get sucked into anything. It's fun to watch this. It's a, definitely a guilty pleasure. As I watch it, I, I'm thinking, I don't really want people to know that I'm watching this. because it's, it's kind of like cops. It's just this kind of trash thing. Until I was telling you about it just now, I didn't realize it. I think one of the things that makes it fun is that these women form kind of a little bond and a little club. Yeah, you know, they find their power in a way.
0: Now there was something else that you mentioned that you were watching, it Lady in the Dale. Lady in the Dale.
1: Yeah, I didn't watch it for the longest time because the title—I'm so sensitive. It's to not titles. a good title. The title turned me off. Even I heard it was about a car, but I thought yeah, well, no, uh, it was what, a terrible title. That? But it's really a story about a transgender woman who was way ahead of her time, tragically in a way.
0: But I was under the impression that at a certain point, she had done a lot of scams and had gotten into a lot of trouble as a man. She was not
1: so upright. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That she was always running from the law I mean she had what five kids that she had when she was a man with right her wife yeah and that she hadn't gone through surgery or anything no that it was really a way of getting away from the law oh I, changing her identity well that's what so she was accused her. of
1: I see that but I think her desire to live as a woman was genuine oh okay it just coincided with the fact that she did need a new identity. but She really did. She seemed very committed, at least the way that she was presented in the series, to her identity as a woman, Okay, I thought. I just wasn't yeah. sure. if I guess there's some ambiguity around it. Yeah. I, bought, I bought it that it was sincere because of the way the family members talked about her. Right. That's you know? true.
0: They did. Especially that and one daughter. And they would have
1: known, I think, if it was just a front. And there's one daughter who they talked to the most throughout the movie. And she reveals at the end that she was born, but they used a false name or something on the birth certificate because of some oh, so she law problem. No, she has no legal standing in the U.S. Like she has no social citizen. security number. She's not a citizen. She's either. not a citizen. Yeah, I think that's what she said. She can live here. Maybe she's a resident. Yeah, um, no,
0: that's a real problem when you don't have
1: a birth certificate. Yeah. Wow. But she speaks throughout the film in very, I don't know if loving's the quite... Yeah. She speaks about her childhood yeah. and she tells it. I mean, it was it was terrible on the many levels, but they really did seem to have this love for her. And for, she seemed
0: um, to take care of them. Yeah. Know, even though in everything her was... Own weird way. So sketchy. Yeah. I mean, they were a family. Yeah. And I guess there was a... A point in time when the Dale was coming online, when she was really involved with that, where she wasn't around that much. Yeah. They had a nanny of some sort. And, and it maybe happened it was here a... in the valley. I know it's incredible. Their isn't showroom it? in Encino it was in
1: Encino, and their so-called re- research facility or factory was like in Woodland Hills or something. So yeah, it was local, and it was right around 1971, or something like that. So it was around when we were in high school. I know that's yeah.
0: amazing, and the fashions at the time were yeah. just so evocative. And the
1: court, they said, I. I recognize the criminal courts building they sure are going in there with oh, really? all their trials in downtown LA on Temple Street and they said it was brand new when that happened. Wow. So what should we retitle Lady in the Dale? I'm gonna suggest a new title for it.
0: I don't know, but it would have to include a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because Lady in the Dale, for one thing, nobody knows what a dale is.
1: You could do some play on the idea of body that encompassed oh, the yeah. body of the car and the body, body of, of, the, of woman. the woman. We'll work on that. I'll come up with something. Huh. Okay. Sounds good. Body shop or something like that
0: yeah. <laughs> well anyway i think we have to say goodbye now it's time
1: Bye. to say goodnight
0: to our boomer friends
1: so are we going to have a, a week or two of uh no podcast
0: by the time this comes out mm-hmm. we will have missed
1: one okay
0: so we'll be back on track with july 3rd i think is when this one will be posting okay but you're going away I'm going away, but I'm going to edit before I go and then edit when I come back. And then I'll have a week in between. Okay. It's complicated.
1: I'm just going to leave it to you. I got it down. Okay.
0: I got got it all worked out. I got it planned. Very cool. Okay. So thanks, Boomers. Yeah. And it's good to be back. See you soon. (laughs) Bye.